Hello, Richard. Hello, Clive. How are you? Yeah, excellent, thank you. How about you? Yeah, yeah, good, thank you. Really, I happened to do um, a, a piece to camera about um, Neil Oliver that he was talking about whether we should, in this cost of fuel crisis, whether it would be uh, beneficial or get, send a message to the government if nobody paid their bills for a while. Um, and it was sort of, I, I think, more of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but it was it was talking about people power, I suppose, saying, well, look, you know, we do have the power. It's just because we're fragmented and we we don't know what the, our neighbours are doing. How do you know? Um, and I did this and it went fairly, for me, it went viral um, on my channel. And I thought, well, I'll follow this up with another one and, and then another one. And then I started, people were getting in touch and telling me what was going on in various different areas and had I thought of this. And I sort of had a aware of that, but it wasn't really what my channel was doing. And I didn't really know that that was where I wanted to go. But I could see there was a need and people were saying we're frightened about things um, and so on and so forth. And, and I'm, I haven't been cancelled from YouTube as yet. Yes, so well, congratulations. It's, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, in fact. Well, this is what everybody's telling me. And, and so I'm sort of expecting the chop any minute, not really wanting it, of course. Uh, because the audience that I'm talking to mostly is the ones that don't know what's going on rather than talking to those that do and have already crossed over to Odyssey or Rumble or any of those sort of platforms. So um, I'm hoping that I can hold on by my fingernails for as long as possible, really. Well, very good. I mean, I, it seems to me that everybody who is talking in a frank honest truthful loving way um i think we need to all get together mm. yes uh i think we we certainly need to be connected don't we um because on our own as individuals it's very hard to see what you can do well exactly. but start combining uh audience sizes and then it, then i think it becomes more viable mm. I've, been, I've been talking to james about it and one or two people um but it seems to me that you're a perfect fit in amongst neil oliver and you know various people who are actually saying something yes i mean neil oliver's still out there on youtube and he's he's very vocal um and 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 not yet been cancelled or closed down rather um so it gives us hope that I mean, the, the parameters just keep changing. That's the strange thing, you know, particularly on YouTube. Is one minute you don't know, you you, you can't even speculate that um, a virus would have escaped from a, a laboratory. You couldn't even speculate. And now you can. And so you never quite know with YouTube where the barrier is. It's this grey area and we're all dancing about very carefully, composing a whole new language to uh explain things but the audience on the whole are pretty astute and they know what we're talking about how many people do you think in the uk are to use that word awake well i think more than one imagines um but not enough i know that's very vague for example i was with my partner's parents the other day 
uh, down for a meal and tentatively talking about areas like this. And you could see that they were very much closed off to it. And, you know, and I would roll, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, it's the conspiracy type thing. And, and I was quite surprised, actually, that that wasn't even able to, I wasn't able to even engage without huge barriers coming up to go, okay, yep, you know, you're talking fantasy world here. And I can see that people can look to alternative media and see a lot of people talking of very frightening things and then going, do you know, if I don't look down there, it'll be all right. It's that willful blindness, head in the sand type thing. Yeah, exactly. It, so it is, it's, it is difficult to gauge the amount, but I, you ju I just get a sense because it's, I'm talking about this relatively newly, uh, openly, that people are coming forward and saying, you know, I, I, I haven't really mentioned this to anybody else, or I'm very, you know, I, I can't talk to my colleagues about this. And there does seem to be more people who are behind the scenes, um, full of, full of knowledge, or, or very skeptical, or or starting that journey down the rabbit holes. And um, but they don't know who 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 to talk to because you, you know you come across the mainstream media um, people, and you're instantly classed as something which clearly you're not really, you know, you know, a conspiracy theorist. Yes, right wing extremist. Mm, absolutely, yeah, so yeah, and that's how they close you down. Of course, that's how they they stop the conversation, but. Um, I think now with things like the excess deaths and the the absolute reluctance of the government and the mainstream media to engage, people are becoming more suspicious that there is something going on. And, and what I'm doing is is trying to um, get them to stay suspicious. I'm not trying to uh, tell them all the facts and details about it. I'm very much the sort of the pimp on the street who's going here. Yeah, do you fancy a nice time? Go down there. I'm not in the room. I'm on the I'm on the pavement outside talking to people who are, you know, completely unaware and saying it's funny, isn't it, that no one's talking about this? Yeah, I suppose it is funny. I wonder why that is. And I just trying to plant that seed so that then they go, yeah, maybe I will look, and then they'll come to other people. Um, I've so been um, looking at the work of a chap called Marshall Rosenberg. He wrote a book called uh, Nonviolent Communication. Have you come across him? No, I'm going to write his name down. <laughs> well, you know, some you know, 15, 20 years ago, I was studying hypnosis and NLP. That was sort of what I did for a time. And um, I was extremely captivated by words and how you could use them. And, communication and then I stumbled across Marshall Rosenberg my, my assistant told me about him and he's he passed away in 2015 or something like that but um for 45 years he was uh, a negotiator he would um get two people in a room who let's say a man for instance had just killed 18 relatives of the woman sitting opposite and an hour later, have them understand each other. Love totally it. extraordinary. And um, 
so nonviolent communication, the first lesson I learned was that if you want to tell somebody something that you know they're probably going to put a wall up right away, is to ask them permission first. You know, something like, yes. you, know, you know, if you happen to have the time, I learned something interesting the other day, maybe you might want to to know, you know, happy to tell you if, if you want to know. And then you're past at least the first barrier of the eyes going up to the ceiling. And uh, then if the response to what you've said, for instance, is an attack, uh, you don't hear the attack. You don't know it all, doesn't matter what they've said. Um, and what you're looking for is, you know, let's say it's obvious they're feeling angry. So that's the feeling that's involved. What, what is the unmet need that is making them angry? So you know, they're responding, let's say, negatively to what we might say. Okay, well, what's underneath that? What really is at the underlying reason, you know, was it something they learned to the child or, or whatever? So the, the art of nonviolent communication is to, as quickly as possible, try and guess your way through what their core issue is and empathise with it. So the idea mm -hmm. is, uh, rather than thrust one's ideas on them, to understand them and empathise with them first yes. before even starting. And I've, I'm something like, I don't know, I'm many hours into watching videos about it and stuff, and it, I think it's, for me, maybe one of the most useful tools I've found recently, because that's the frustration, isn't it, trying to get through to people? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um... I was in the States um, in 2020. So I'd, I, I was out in Mexico at a conference, and then I decided oh, I'm not going to go out to England. They've gone insane. So I just flitted around where, wherever, anywhere was open. And Florida was fun because... If they used to used to say to me at the door, you know, please, so would you wear a mask? I I would uh, often respond with lines like, "Well, you know, uh, I I thought uh, as an Englishman, I'm not an expert on your laws, but I believe that if you're carrying a concealed weapon, you're not allowed to wear a mask." Yes, I know. It's always, I mean, that's always been a weird thing about going into a bank with a mask. And and I remember during the height of it, and the, they were saying, "Can you put your mask on?" And I thought the absurdity of this is beyond the pale. It is, uh, and you'd go like this, and you, and then you say, "Well, I've come to get some money out. Should I bring a gun?" <laughs> oh no, no, sir, you don't have to do that. So, um, I, I heard, I, I heard your your piece on Neil Oliver, and I also. Um, heard Neil Oliver talk about the Bradbury Pound, mm. and um, uh, that's been an idea that's been floating around for over ten years or so. Um, uh, have you looked into into the Bradbury Pound? Do you think it? You... I've I've been told about it. Um, I don't fully understand all of that area. I'm not great on fiscal money and stuff. Um, but I understand that it's based on the wealth of the people and what they've got to offer rather than on something that's sitting in a bank somewhere where you never actually get to see it um, in within a community. Now, I don't know how that whether that's the worth of the, a whole country who goes to it or whether it's a smaller community. Um, well, I, I can explain in about a minute how the Bradbury Pound worked back then in 1914. Mm. So it became obvious to the country that war was going to happen, that it couldn't be avoided. And they realised there would be a run on the banks. Yes. So they shut the banks for three days. 
and on the fourth day um they printed their own money printed just on one side on the first day the bradbury pound because john bradbury was the secretary of the treasury or something like that or home office and they succeeded in printing money with no interest so the cash the coins that we use are printed by the royal mint and there's no interest charged on that the government makes it on our behalf for us interest free but with the banks of course they sub that out to the bank of england who's basically a private company and they make a profit on us and now we get into debt and they never print the debt they only print the the actual money so inevitably bankruptcies have to happen in the present system um the only way out for them is is constant growth or war anyway after three days the banks um well on, on day two of issuing the new money the worry was would the people accept it mm. were they just rejected but they did accept it then on day two they printed the notes on both sides and they just could have carried on creating money against the value of the entire country because the country is full of buildings and bridges and land and yeah. loads of stuff you know so the, the country is worth a fortune if you had to get a mortgage against the country mm. it's almost infinite so if you create money as value as opposed to creating money as debt because the banks create it as debt but the government could create it uh, as value yes so you wanted to start a new business well that's going to add hopefully to in england inc and we could lend on that yes ultimate collateral so uh but unfortunately of course you know as we know the, the the banks are corrupt and they bribed government to take the power back yeah so how long did the bradbury pound last uh just a few days i think i can't remember now exactly right so it was very short-lived but long enough to prove the point it didn't stop because it wasn't working it was working brilliantly yes because of the, of the corruption but it could easily happen again yeah. yes but would the will of um the government permit permit it if well, we have well, a if we have a run on the banks and all of that will they just go do you know what we've got this digital currency now that's sitting there waiting to come in that's what they want uh clearly uh and very frightening thing cbdc's are but you know at some point i think people are going to wake up that actually the problem the only problem is psychopaths is governments and the top echelons of the people who'd like to be called elite and uh, we don't need them no when when government goes on holiday at christmas do things get worse no they don't yeah, well, we've seen we've seen when the the army stepped in to do things. Suddenly, there's uh, military precision and things get done, um, and you know bureaucracy just seems to slow everything down. Whereas you can get a private sit, uh, people in to just get on with it because it's in there. It's in everybody's interest to get on with it. Well, you know, we could repair the roads ourselves. We don't need a council who will take ten years to repair the m4 or something mm. you know we could go online find some road repairers get some competitive quotes and by the afternoon we probably have the whole fixed yeah and just driving around where i live down in sussex it certainly looks like the uh, roads is a not a, a high up priority at the moment wow. because it's clearly they don't want people on the roads and they're not repairing them uh so they're quite happy for ve it seems to me uh they're quite happy for vehicles to uh, fall down potholes and have their vehicles off the road a bit more 
um, whether that's just a coincidence of everything, but it uh, it does seem it's not a priority. It's, um, you know, I mean, do, do you think the people of the world will ever wake up to the idea that government is slavery and should be abolished? Do, do they, I don't think people actually realise how enslaved they are, do they? No, I think you're right. I don't think they, I don't think everybody will come to that because... I think without being, well, I'm being rude, um, there are people who are more open, shall we say, to th their own thinking, and there are plenty of people, and it seems, a, a, unfortunately, a larger number of people who perhaps have not been given the opportunity to think for themselves. And, and I would think that that's through schooling through the, the the whole work working for the state and everything else the whole way that we work with the layers of people always pushing other people down this is what your role is you can't think outside the box you know we no longer have bank managers that you could negotiate something and try and influence your loan it's all done now by computers so agency for the just for the process of thought of being able to think about things has been removed. And you said you studied uh, hypnosis and stuff. I did a little bit of hypnosis many, many years ago. My dad used to hypnotize uh, people in the RAF. He wasn't trained. And then he, he tried to do a bit with me and I read a few books about it. And you can clearly see that mainstream media, television particularly, is an enormously versatile hypnotic tool for any power source to keep the and the population thinking in a certain way so i think the struggle is to break people from from that mesmeric um ability to, to keep depending on other people and not being able to think for themselves and not remembering that they're unique individuals it's slightly unfortunate that we were sent to school. Well, this is it. Homeschool. My sister homeschooled. I sent my kids to school. Um, and I remember at the time thinking, my sister's mad. Uh, a, how could you get anything done with kids around you? But on the other hand, now, years later, I can see the merits of that independent thought. And and, and and I've had long conversations with her about it. And and on some levels, she said it was a mistake. On another level, she said it was absolutely brilliant because the kids would ask questions. And if she didn't know the answers, which was most of the time, they would go and find out together. And they would just go to places or look things up or pick out books or read books, you know, in a different way. And she realized just how much a sponge kids are and the thirst to know and find out it is so wrapped up in our psyche but that's all knocked out of you when you think oh, I've got to go to school oh, I've got homework and it, and it's that I don't want to learn and and we all know that we all had a favorite teacher who may not have been talking specifically about the subject you know i remember having a french teacher but he would be talking about life and his his own um experiences with women i went to an all boys school and he would just tell us about life and then if oh, well, i better do a bit of french at the end of it um and 
those lessons were invaluable in a completely non-curriculum way because we were having adult conversations with with a an adult who was treating us as if we were all in the mess room somewhere and it was obviously not going above a certain area of conversation um and we were just responding because it, it we weren't being spoken down to all the time we were we were being informed about stuff we could ask questions and it was it was just fascinating or other times you'd have teachers that were very much on their subject but they were well beyond what the curriculum was on about and and would just bring it because they were fantastic storytellers but they were few you know like one or two teachers in a in a year would be the ones that you just look forward to going to to do others would just be so bland and just write things on the board i remember we had a i went to a comprehensive so it was you know it was under under an underdog from the start but we had one particular teacher who was doing geography and it was all about crop rotation which i now actually find quite interesting but as a sort of what 13 year old boy crop rotation in canada on farms i'd never had any any idea or any any element of how big they were or the the soil or the the weather patterns for whereas i lived in a relatively up and coming town in sussex which was more of a commuter town and we had farms around us then that were serving still just about hanging on and serving seeing the community and if it had been about farming in the town or or the surrounding area and the crop rotation and the importance of all of all of that because this was ge geography and and it was it was it was very bizarre and she just wrote on the board and we just wrote it down in a book had no idea what it was we were writing and that was the lesson and it was pointless i, f I felt 95 percent of my whole schooling was pointless i felt i was thrown in a sort of government indoctrination camp and left there to rot for years yeah the best day was on my 16th birthday when I fled. Yes, when I left it just just before my 15th and uh, and I was offered a job and I took it and got in with a small company and started to learn things. And, you know, suddenly you're questioning again and doing the things that you should have been doing as kids. So getting back to the government for a minute, mm. it's clear that we can do education better than they can. We can fix the roads better than they can. Um, if we had a little vote as to how many people in the country wanted war right now, I'm pretty sure that 95% plus would say they don't. Mm. Am I right on that, do you think? I, I can't see it. I can't see the point of a, a war that's not, uh, certainly not, you know, it's not like in the Second World War where we were on the front line on the in Sussex where we were defending ourselves. We'd what i can't see the point of it most people wouldn't want a war anyway they want to get on they want to feed their kids they want to do things for themselves and feel that they've got community and enjoy life i mean we only get one crack at it um yeah but we have been given over for the last 80 years i think since the last war that there's always something to fear well, we're, we're taught at school that we have enemies. No, we right. don't. We don't. Governments declare enemies, but, I mean, people get on with people, doesn't matter 
who, where, what. People are people. Yeah. No, I would I would agree with that. When you meet a stranger, certainly in this Western culture, you know, you sort of greet them on an equal and you're not ready to defend yourself. Of course, if they were to suddenly whip out a knife or something or they're looking menacing but you're reading the body language you're you're i would think that most people these days or ever um maybe not back in days when you know in the middle ages where a stranger would come into the village and you go oh golly who's this person coming in but these days we're very enlightened we're accepting people we assume they're going to be nice i think mostly unless there are visible signs or we get a feeling that there's something not quite right. Um, so, yeah, I think most people do want to get on. They wouldn't want a war. Why would you? And even the Minister of Defence wouldn't want to live in a war zone. No. no. So luckily, they, they never do, do they? So, um, you know, I, was, I thought that when Bitcoin happened years ago, that that was the way out, that that could be an alternative currency. And so the government, if we stopped using government currency, then the government couldn't pay the the soldiers to bomb mm. uh, you. Know, I, I, I know it's fanciful and most people think I mean, I'm insane to even think it's possible, but I still believe that there is a way to switch things, let's say in the UK. So, I mean, we've got, I don't know how many, are there a million public servants in the country? I don't know how many there are. But I mean, they are, by definition, servants for the public. They don't serve us, they serve government. They're not serving us. So if you change just one definition of the word servant, mm. the public servants are helping us. You know, So the, the traffic warden who would otherwise give you a ticket, which would become £1,300 within six months, uh, he would try and, or she would try and help you park. Yes. Planning permission people would be there to help you, not hinder you. And... I just don't think we need government because we've got the civil service. We, if if they were just asked to help, be a servant, that would be great. I mean, you know, we're of service, aren't we? I mean, you know, what actually makes us happy is doing things for other people. Because you know, one of the non-violent communication things I like is the idea that um, if, if if I wanted to give something to you and you wanted to take it that you taking something from me would be the greatest gift that I could give or I could receive. Yeah, sorry, you taking something from me is the greatest gift that I could receive. So, right. As, yes, yes. Assuming you, you, on the basis that you're giving it, I'm not just taking it willy-nilly and going, I'll have that, thanks very much. And you're not giving it because you ought to or you should. No. you genuine giving, giving because you want to. Then the best thing that could happen when somebody says, thank you, I'll... I'll take that idea or I'll take, you know, whatever it is. Mm. And we're so brought up to the opposite, the, the opposite of that, where we're not about generous giving and, and loving. We're about uh, the game of right and wrong. Yes. To switch that round would be a huge task, of course. And I think it, it's almost a generation, isn't it? It's a because these things, you, you know, we can talk like this and we can say, here's a utopian world that would work, and we think that we don't need government and all of this would be fantastic. And then we're we're ready day one to get on with that. 
but the rest of humanity have got a huge learning curve because we're all at different stages on that road to some form of enlightenment i guess and that probably is generational but i guess once the snowball has happened and people see it they would immediately you know you couldn't help but go look actually i feel really happy about giving you this or i feel happy about not having war i feel you can imagine that the the, the snowball would rapidly start to spin once there's once people believe it and they've seen it and it's in it's in process what surprised me by now is that some massive awful corrupt type thing that happens in the world all, all the time hasn't been exposed i mean you know somebody very famous i mean you know not king charles because he is god incarnate and uh, works for god on our behalf apart from that you know, let's say he got caught with his trousers down in some some way. I think it could take something so shocking, so left field that people go, "Well, if that's wrong, maybe mm -hmm. I do need to look at everything else." Because you know, it's not that there's a shortage of food, a shortage of money, a shortage of resources, a shortage of land. You know, it's just that everybody's been lied to that there is a shortage of everything. I mean. You know, that, you know that, that phrase, the root of all evil is the love of money, or the love of mm. money, it's the opposite. The lack of money is the root of all e evil. Yes. I mean, that we're controlled with. I certainly think that we have in the... It's got to come out. It's got to come out, and it would be incredibly shocking, and I don't know how the government are going to deal with it, because they must know... Um, that it's coming out, which would be a shocker to say that we have been lied to. And that's the the excess deaths from this mandated medical procedure that has been going on. Because nobody in the mainstream media, nobody in the government, apart from Andrew Bridgen, who's stood up to an empty House of Commons, who said, hang on a minute, there's there's something not quite right with this. And could we not look at it? even on just that very simplistic basis, and yet you look elsewhere than mainstream media, and it's everywhere, and people are talking about it, and yet the government won't. And, and if that, to me, that's that's the, the skeleton in the cupboard. I mean, there's millions of skeletons, but that's the big one that I think, because it's affected everybody in the world to some uh, degree. Yes. So it, it's inevitable, you might say, that sooner or later the people are going to wake up to the fraud that's gone on. Mm. So they have a contingency for that, I would suggest. And that contingency is that everybody gets fed up with governments at once. They try and destroy the economies even more through you know, violence. And then the, then the WEF or whoever can grab yeah. what's left tries to snatch it because they're saving us. You know, from yes. They're saving us from ourselves. Well, that that, that is true. Um, and so you then need to be able to... Well, the, the thing is, we, in our own individual way and channels, and, and, and but being aligned, presumably then have a power that we have yet to realise, perhaps, because once people have given up, completely on the mainstream media and have said actually there you go no one talked about this this is now wide open all these little channels left right and center were talking about it they were clearly right 
that that's where our role um, to come together and start saying, look, here's the alternative. We've thought about this. We've got we've got an idea. And it's certainly not with the letters W, E or F. More quiet. I mean, I, I've I've always been very interested in sort of the idea of the, the world could be a better place. And, um, you know, I've been going to conferences where they've been talking about how the world could be rectified um, for, for decades. Mm. And in my opinion, every question, like how do we have enough food, how do we have enough clean water, how do we clean up the oceans, whatever, actually the answers are all there. They've been worked out in many cases decades and decades ago. But while criminal psychopaths are in charge, it's just not going to happen. No. The, uh, we haven't we haven't had social media we haven't had this i mean i'm surprised that actually all of this has not been shut down in some way and maybe that's the that's you know i know they've got the digital um whatever they call it censorship bill coming through to stop free speech um but we've not had the i mean you know the printing press created um a huge ability for the public to understand and read things you know and um, to be able to read the Bible in English, for instance, as opposed to being told what it was in a language you didn't even know and have somebody interpret it for you. So I think we're in a similar in a similar boat that 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 the more people start to realize that we're not all a bunch of nutters and we're just, you know, and, and I'm, of course, some of us are. And it's difficult to gauge how much of a nutter you know, I struggle with that myself. How much of a nutter and how much misinformation? You know, you're trying to second guess. Am I am I passing on stuff which I don't believe uh, in myself, or am I? Where am I getting my sources from? Because I'm not there, and there's all of that. But generally, you get that sense that collectively we're all pretty much on the same on the same thing. We just want to do what's right. You know, because that's what gets you up and put on the camera and sit in front of the microphone. Because anybody can look at you and say you're talking rubbish, and you you know you can easily be um, discounted or or ignored. Um, so I think that the the social media and um, but in particular this type of messaging, which gives people much more control. And they can take part in it's you know we don't have editors above our heads and we don't have Ofcom at the moment telling us what we can and can't say and we're not being leaned on. Um, so this is this stuff's got to grow, that more and more people can discover it and find out, particularly those who have been glued to purely stations like the BBC. It's. I know a few people who still watch television and read newspapers, and I find it increasingly difficult, uh, even though they are so to become the awake side of things, just because they allow themselves to watch the news. Mm. They're, they, they're deeply indoctrinated, and they, they've no idea. They don't know how indoctrinated they are, even though, anyway. So... Um, well, you, you know when the train strikes were happening? Yes. I always wonder when that sort of thing happens, when it's a public body striking. Why don't the train drivers or the train workers all say, right, today it's free tickets for everybody in the country? 
we're not going to go on strike. We're going to do the opposite. We're just going to provide free travel for everybody. Then that would have been effective, I think. Yes. You can think how many more people would go on the trains. Um, yeah, I mean, once once you give people the power to be able to do it and you say, well, how do you stop us? Well, you can't have people going, well, 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 there's only like a board of you, 10 or 12 of you, and there's the rest of us. Either they haven't thought it through or the um, the union people don't want to go down that road. Well, they're corrupt. Yeah, they're all yeah, yeah. This is this is the thing. Um, but no, that would be a fantastic thing. I'd love to see that. And of course, more people would go on the train. That would get them on on the trains. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm 68, so I've I went lived through the Thatcher period where she sold everything that we the people owned, and that was just horrendous. Because I mean, I remember when I was young. Uh, electricity, you know, heating the house, lighting it with old incandescent light bulbs that warmed the house in winter. Um, it was affordable. Mm. It was affordable. You know, electricity wasn't a big thing. And suddenly now it's a big thing for no reason, obviously. It's all contrived. Um, I don't think not paying the bill is the answer. But um, the electricity workers giving free electricity or, I don't know, but I think I think whenever there's a strike and it's against the people, like sanctions, you know, mm. sanctions against Cuba, Russia, whatever, how ridiculous, you know. Why should the people suffer for the government? And, uh, you know. Well, they're, they're clearly not enlightened, Clive. That's that's the thing, as you say. And, and then the people in charge of the people, the, you know, all the managers and the, the union people, they... No one's, no one's, or if they are suggesting, they're just dismissing that and going, no, 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 that's not, no, 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 we've got to, we're going to strike, we're going to pull down the government, we're going to do that, well, this is how we win. And, and of course, as you say, suddenly nobody can travel. So I was thinking a while back that, you know, it, let's, let's say that the public servants all became servants and now we have an empty House of Parliament. Well, what if we had a TV show, a bit like Britain's Got Talent, where you're looking for the nicest people, the kindest, most loving, uh, wonderful people who are not out for themselves, but they are out for the greater good. And you can have a vote over TV. You know, everybody in the country that wanted to could be bothered could vote for the nice, you know, nice is perhaps the wrong word, but the the most wonderful people who could be helping guide the country in a sensible direction. I mean, I think all the power should be from the bottom upwards that mm. shouldn't be dictated from the top. That's crazy. If my village needs a bit of help, it could go to the next town. And if, the, you know, I mean, from the bottom up, it's easy. We could fix our own roads in no time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm uh, slightly, um, I, I don't watch these uh, these talent shows, these sort of... Um, Me neither. Yeah, I can't, I can't bear... I can't bear it. So, uh, but, but who would you prefer? Yeah, shall we vote for Tony Blair, mm. or shall we vote for this lovely, fantastic lady who's adopted fifty children? And they all think she's a saint, and you know, mm. who do we want? Uh, I, I don't know how difficult it could be for the country to choose, let's say, six hundred people or something, who looked at the long term. You, you know, I think was it was it the Sioux Nation where they had a Congress like America does, three hundred women. 
old women who made decisions and it was uh, seven seven generations me seven lifetimes down if they're going to make an important decision it was going to be valid for seven lifetimes so the idea of having a congress or a parliament i think it's perfectly valid um if they're not corrupt yes it's how you get the the right people in it but the people in theory should be above the government anyway because you first of all you had people and people created a government of some description administrators just to make sure everything was done and create some statutes and some laws but the people have asked those people to do that on the behalf of everybody else and surely then if the people go well actually you can't do what you like because if you did you'd be a tyrant and we haven't asked you to be a tyrant we've just asked you to govern and give us sensible laws but now it's it's like you're acting as a tyrant you're not helping us park the cars as you said you're you're telling us where we can't park rather than telling us where we can and you're you're hovering to to get a a financial benefit out of us if we're a few minutes late which is not helpful at all i'm not going to learn from that am i i'm going to learn to hate you so you're you're acting more with tyranny than with benevolence and so presumably the 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 people ought to be able to, if they knew that they had that power to be able to say actually we're just not going to do it you know if i mean i often think that if everybody if every if, if you had a megaphone and you could talk to everybody in in the same way you could on the bbc and you were able to say to everybody look they're just blokes and women sitting in a room who are making these decisions if we all decided we didn't want to do that if we thought do you know what driving 70 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour area is okay i'm not saying it is but if if that's what everyone said yeah actually that makes that's perfect sense to us there's why should we listen to them so if and and of course i'm not suggesting you do do that but if if you want people to help you and help your business and and help you not restrict your electricity and and all of those things we we don't want people who are pushing us down we want people who are lifting us up well quite i mean i i don't think anybody actually wants to be governed nobody wants to be told what to do for, no uh and none of us have agreed to the government to any government like well, you said well you say that but i mean people people do like to have some boundaries don't they because look how easily people comply during lockdown which surprised me very much that they would go along with it so quickly and i think it surprised the government as well that we would all go along oh no you've got to stay indoors and then people were sort of making up well how long you know we can go out for exercise well what do you call exercise <laughs> how long are we allowed to go out and 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 you know people were saying oh well you can only go out for an hour but none of that was true none of it was actually written and when you looked at what was what was the law and what was advised, they were two different things. And and you were being, you were living your life by the advisory stuff, but not what was actually in statute, which I found remarkable because I kept looking at the statute and going, oh no no, we, you can go out for your exercise. So if your exercise is twenty four hours a day walking, you could do it because it didn't say you couldn't. Well, so I, I do think people do like to have, you know, generally they like to have some some sort of guidance because 
perhaps they're fearful that it would be anarchy. Well, um, yes. I mean, of course, as you know, the technical definition of anarchy is a, is a state where there isn't where there, where there are no rulers. That's yes, it. yes. And you know, if there was only one law, which is do no harm, mm-hmm. actually, of course, do no harm co- covers ev- everything that we want to do. Mm. And so, um, you're getting into a sort of common law area where it's like do no harm, and and as you say, everything comes from from that one principle. But they are tyrants. I mean, they're not acting like tyrants. They are, they are tyrants. They mm. are stealing everything. I mean, you know, in slavery. In the good old days of slavery, they gave you a free house. I'm, I'm sort of joking, but I mean, now you've got to pay for your own house. Um, have, do you know the difference between uh, if you were a family wanting to build on a, on a field, build a, build a home on a field, or if you were a family of cows wanting to do it? Now, if you want to do it, you're going to have to get planning permission. It'll take ages. It'll cost a fortune. But if if the family of cows want to move in, they can live in an old barn. They can piss and shit everywhere. Um, you know who who who's the who's the land for? It's apparently for cows. Maybe we should define ourselves then, seeing as they've introduced wokery everywhere, that we now are all cows. We can. I'm a cow. I'm not a human anymore. I'm a cow, so I can uh, just have my own little land here. You know, I always I often think we've got to play. If if they're imposing things, then somehow turn it round on them. Because I ma- I made a video fairly recently about the the three word slogans that they were very keen to shove down our throats, left, right, and centre. Save the NHS, protect, um, stay at home, the Great Reset. All these sort of three word, very hypnotic um, word uh slogans which was just drip drip feed and you were sort of going oh yeah i must save the nhs and and all of this and i thought well actually for those people who are um uh, uh, more awake than others is to use those on the other people like use more cash we are sovereign and keep repeating those in conversation not in any sort of mean way but just to reinforce the freedoms that we ought to have we are free um and and you know so the other people go actually yeah you're quite right yeah we are we are sovereign aren't we, aren't we sovereign we're you know we're free we're free men aren't we we're not slaves we aren't we're not slaves so that they start so you know because you've got to get the populace to start thinking differently about their status in a way and anybody who pays tax is going to realize this is slavery mm. right do they have to take vast quantities of all your money not to mention vat and car tax and everything I mean, how much tax we actually pay in our lives it's it's i don't know could it be 80 percent or something i don't know no well it's a hell of a lot and they you know when you think back to the old days of the kings wanting to raise money to go to war so they could go and grab more land or more treasures and we were all taxed accordingly now it's because of the the oh yeah well in that case it's fine you can have take whatever you want mate because it's all in a good cause well it's not really is it 
And, of course, they'll be funding, the bankers are funding both sides of the wars always. Absolutely. Well, you know, we we were all, we, we know that the wars are the way that so many businesses can earn their money, which we don't need. Yes, so, But, it, yes, we, we, we need a, you know, it, what I get back from doing this in the short time that I've been talking about this sort of stuff, the thing that I get more and more is, Talking's all very well, Richard, but we need action. And that's very difficult to come up with a plan of action when the majority of people still think that, that, that we're all nutters. Um, but the, the part of the plan of action, I think, certainly as I've unfolded and listened to people like yourself and the ideas that are going around is, without people on your side you're or or even even if they don't want to do anything that they just need to be understanding what's going on that's got to be the first stage and awakening to to realize that actually it is in their benefit not we're not a bunch of idiots that should be in a lunatic asylum um and and they're encouraged to use more cash or understand that they're they're sovereign individuals they're free thinkers they can think for themselves they haven't got to rely on what the mainstream media want to tell you and all of that i mean that's it's action but it but people feel they want you know they want to pick up a stick and or they want to go and do something they want they want some i think people are very very hungry for something to happen and, and get very frustrated when they watch the alternative media and people are are telling them it and they're going yeah i know this i know this but I, you know i want to do something and they don't know what to do they know a friend of mine's got a good one she's had uh these 20 pound notes printed up with keep cash alive on them ah yeah and that's sort of, good uh cash you know freedom or you lose it and just leaving them around the place you know, i mean it's very bit disappointing if you pick up a 20 pound note and find it's not a 20 pound note <laughs> <laughs> but people will pick these up, you know. These yes. are, these are yes. oh, That's that's very that's very good. I I was uh, um I was out in a, a shop yesterday actually, and I started to use cash more myself. And I the I had a a bill for it was something like fifteen pounds something or other, and I gave them fifteen pounds. Well, I thought I'd given them fifteen pounds. They gave me the change, and there was a tenor in the change and some loose change. And I, and I looked at that and I thought, Oh no, I gave you 15 pounds. I didn't give you 25 pounds. So I gave them the 10 pound back. And I said, I'm sure I gave you 15, not this. And the chat was very nice. He said, well, I know where you live. Cause it was a sort of friendly shop. And he says, I know where you live. If at the end of the till, we've actually found out that you did give us that. Cause we've shoved it in the till. And now we can't remember ourselves. Um, it will will pop the money through the door and this morning when i got up i noticed there was an envelope with that tenor and i'd had actually given them too much but i'd been honest and said i'm not sure so i'm not going to take your money and i suddenly realized yeah i hadn't been using money enough to to realize and of course you know it's so easy to see a difference between a 20 and a 10 of course but i just wondered how many people if they were given the wrong change for example would be dishonest and then the onus was on me to sort of question it, even though actually I was in the wrong to begin with by giving too much money and, and all of that, if you see what I mean. 
but it was nice that the chap said no we we cashed up and you we were a tenner over him we realized it must have been you so there's your cash and it just and 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 I feel now more about that shop than I did before than if I had just gone in with a card and it's so shocking that people are dishonest um not necessarily be, I think because they want to be but because they feel beaten down by the system or mm. I don't know I, I I I think most dishonesty I don't think people would generally would be if they could see an alternative or I don't know no, I so sometimes if you if you're a bit in a bit you, you if you get the wrong change in a big supermarket, for example, you feel you're one up, don't you? You think, oh, I've got they've taken so much from me, it doesn't matter. Um, but the the reality is that the cashier, you know, is probably going to get the blame. You know, there's yeah. saying it's your fault; it'll come off your wages. So, yes, which is you know the the big corporates never lose. No, I mean you know it seems this the solution to the corporates is simply that you you make sure all the directors have personal liability, just like the director of a limited company would. The idea that the corporate is viewed as a person is, mm. and like we could change the civil service. I think we could change corporations. It has to be global, of course. Yes, but I mean it is so easy. I mean. You know, I, I mean, look, take Amazon, for instance. So I would say Amazon is a very useful website. I mean, really, really useful for people in general. So just like Thatcher privatized and sold off the water and the electricity, what if the people decided to privatize um, Amazon? So now it became a service like a public library, free at the point of use. Yes, it covers its costs, but it's not making some trillionaire or squillionaire you know because it don't you think it's it's an incredibly useful tool and well, it could yeah, be yeah. fantastic i don't know it could be really useful it could be but it, it's that it's the bridge between the idea you've just suggested and the reality of of getting it over there if if you had a if people got to the point instead of you see what what I never understand is these billionaires who have more money than sense there's no point there's no cutoff point where they can go well I've I've got enough I don't need any more and then it seems that we have this almost godlike part where they can start you know they've had as many yachts and as many islands and as They've got as much. It's all it, it, the hunger of earning a wage, the hunger of achieving things must get to the point where they. What do you do? You know, oh, I don't want to retire because I'm so used to this, the chase, the chase, and doing things. Then they start to play with people's lives, and I think that's what's been going on at these the WF and the World Health Authority. You know, it's like take uh, the Prime Minister. You've got more money than the king. Why would you want to deal with all what well, you've got all that money? You could do whatever you damn well like. Why would you want to deal with the petty stuff of the United Kingdom? Why, why would you want to do that job? 
I don't I don't understand, particularly if you're you're not even from that, that country originally, your roots aren't here, your your family isn't here, your friends are not here, you don't have generations, you're not that invested in it. Why would you want to be bothered? That's what I don't understand. And 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 consequently, why would I want to vote for somebody who really you can just see is it's it's just a like in a holding pattern really and i've got just you know something to do and it gets me up in the morning and can fiddle about i will i would like to vote for somebody who is a true british person who's got a family and they've they've worked they understand the people they know what it's like and would have empathy with everything than living in a bubble and and just yeah well you know why don't we just do this crazy idea and put people into a little city and restrict their movements for a bit? Because that, you know, seems quite good. And um, we'll fly around the world. We'll have our parties, but they don't need to. Well, they, don't... They, are, they are psychopaths, as I said earlier. Mm. The only problem in the world is psychopaths. That's it. Um, yeah. They just need to be put on an island somewhere or something like that. Uh, and told to get on with it by themselves. And yeah, and one of the other factors, of course, is you know that we could affect beneficially, which is my area of things, which is health. You know, I see people dropping like flies because of the health system. I mean, it's just appalling that you know the NHS gave me a drug <clears throat> when I was younger. <clears throat> about 38 years ago, and that one antibiotic knocked me for six health-wise. The next thing I knew, I was in hospital, I couldn't walk, I couldn't get dressed, I become type 1 diabetic. And I was in hospital for weeks and weeks, and they said, well, there's nothing we can do. It's hopeless. Uh, but I was able to read books in hospital, and I figured out that um, the antibiotic had destroyed my immune system, basically, so I started taking vitamins and minerals changed my diet a bit, and all the arthritis. I had rheumatoid arthritis uh, in my 30s so badly, I, I couldn't get dressed. You know, it was, it was insane. But it all went away because I figured out the answer. So, you know, since then, I've changed my profession to one where I try to explain to people that we're actually self-repairing. Mm. Doctors are told, oh, your body's gone wrong. It's your fault. You're fat, lazy. You're old you've got bad genes it's your dna you know they'll give you a million reasons why the drug is what your body's low on but you know none of us are low on a drug when i was in hospital 38 years ago they would offer me painkillers and stuff and i said well look i'm not low on a drug shortage of drugs is not my issue but they're not taught cures you know five years in medical school or six or however many they they want to choose to do they don't get taught causes basically, and they don't get taught what the body is really made of and what a deficiency of any substance might actually do. You'd think they'd be taught this stuff right right at the beginning. Well, let's, let's you know, you're, you're a fresh doctor. Let's bring in some healthy people who've never needed to see a doctor and let's find out what they did right. Mm. They, don't, they don't do that. They don't look for cures. You'd think that on the curriculum there'd be the subject cures what do we know they don't do cures i mean something is very wrong i mean they call themselves a health service but 
health is what what I try to explain to people. You know, this is your body working properly. Whereas doctors call health medicine, you know, drugs. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, people still go to them. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's it's that mainstream thought process that you're ill. What do you need? A pill. And, I mean, I remember um, another little anecdote for you. I was looking after my father who had dementia and his partner um, was a, a woman who was fairly sedentary um, and would have about eight or nine pills that she had to swallow every day. Uh, and as a result of this, every morning she would have a glass of water and she'd have these pills and it would take about 15 minutes to get these ruddy things down her and didn't do anything to help herself in any other form because she'd so indoctrined on this. My sister is a nurse and was there on this particular day helping dad with me. And she was moaning about these pills so my sister said to her, she said, well, what are these pills? Do? Oh, this one's for my this, and this one's for the liver, and this one's for my heart. And, and so my sister said, well, what would happen if you didn't take those pills? She said, oh, I'd probably die. Well, what are you moaning about then? Take your sodding pills. They're keeping you alive. But, of course, she didn't really probably need half those things if only she'd spent a bit more of her life looking up and, and realising just what you said. But it was it was just the indignancy of saying, look, these things keep you alive, and yet you're still moaning that you've got to take them over fifteen minutes. It's, it's barking. The uh, you know, the thing I obviously over the years of of seeing a lot of uh, clients who were previously seen by doctors, and the sort of stuff that they tell me, particularly when it when it's down to people things that the doctors didn't tell them mm. they gave me the artificial hip not telling me that by the time you know they, they gave me an artificial hip at 40 or something they tell me and they didn't they forgot to tell me that by the time i get to 65 i may not be able to have another one now i will have no hip because they they can only replace them so many times yes that sort of story oh they've they no they never told me that you know now they've got they now they can't walk and when uh, anybody who needs a replacement hip or replacement knee or something, the thing is, you can regrow those. Everybody's equipped to regrow um, almost all the damaged organs that, that there are. You know, the liver, mm. regrow about 10 weeks, cut half the liver out, and about 10 weeks later, it's regrown. Something wow. Like um, so some things are faster than others. But... Um, uh, I see people who are told, okay, you've got to go on blood thinners. Right? And they say, oh, well, I've got to go on blood. And they take a drug to thin their blood. Now, what is um, the, the cheapest, easiest blood thinner in the world that's 100% safe, right? What would thin blood the best? Well, it's called water. And if the doctor said... <coughs> How much water did you drink? Maybe you should drink a bit more. That might thin the blood. But they don't do that because they can't make money from that. No. Well, that's true. We are in a... I've got water here. <laughs> we are in a commercial world. That's the problem. Well, you know, health should not be for money. You know, just if the NHS was really working properly, 
we wouldn't have 10 managers for every un barely trained nurse who doesn't really speak English. We wouldn't have a system where drugs are the number one course of action. You know, I, um, I, I, one of the supplements that I like is iodine, old fashioned iodine. You know, 200 years ago, Professor Lugol, sometime like that, invented a little blend of iodine and potassium iodide, and it's been used ever since. Doctors used to use it. If you went to the GP and you didn't know what was wrong with you, um, they'd probably give you iodine. Just it. Iodine, if somebody's low on iodine, what they'd notice might be dry skin. They might notice brain fog. They might notice their temperature out of control. Um, for instance, Japanese women don't get the menopause. It hardly ever happens. They don't even have a language in the Japanese language for the menopause. The only seaweed they eat protects them to a large degree against breast cancer and protects them to a large degree against the symptoms of menopause. If they're eating the traditional diet, where they're eating iodine at least three times a day with all the seaweed, it's just protective. A year's supply costs like 20 pounds or something, mm. $25, super cheap. So they don't tell you this. If somebody goes to the doctor and they've got a thyroid issue they've got hypothyroid or hyperthyroid um both of those are low iodine and i can say that with, with quite a lot of um experience behind me and um in the old days the doctors would have given you <clears throat> iodine to fix your thyroid and if that didn't work they would give you a bit of desiccated dried thyroid from an animal, from the thyroid gland of an animal, pretty much bio-identical, works very well, actually. But the doctors give you a drug because they can patent that and make lots of money. It doesn't work nearly as well as the natural version, but like mm. all drugs, that's how they do it. And um, so the doctors have been misled by the medical schools. You know, I... Um, when I first started out down this particular road, I started reading medical journals, textbooks from before the Second World War. Up until then, things like homeopathy, uh, cures using water, uh, cures using herbs, acupuncture, electrotherapy, there were a whole host of methodologies that we used that cost no money, didn't need drugs, and would just cure people. In 1843, Guy's Hospital in London opened their electrotherapy department. Right? 1843, but like 100 years before that, John Wesley was curing people using electrotherapy, using like wind-up sort of battery power type things. And that, that all disappeared with Rockefeller and you know, the changes over the Second World War. So none of it got taught anymore. And the doctors don't know what they're missing. They they just haven't, they don't know, which is very sad. A, a friend of mine who's a herbalist, her husband is a GP, or was. And a couple of years ago, just before the pandemic, he retired. And he said, it's great now I'm retired. I don't have to keep, I don't have to kill people. That was his comment. Because he was, he, this was a, a few years before the pandemic. 
Where was his conscience all this time? Well, he knew. For money. Yeah, I guess so. He knew. I mean, he was lent on by Big Pharma, and these are the pills. That this is what we're trying to, and you'll get this much um, reward, and you, you know, targets and all of these things. Uh, but he knew. I don't know that he knew all the time, but I guess because he was married to a herbalist and she was learning her craft at the same time and and was saying, you know, but I can imagine the conversation over breakfast going, oh, I've discovered this. Oh, well, we've got a pill for that. Yeah, but does it contain such and such? How does that work? I, I can only assume that he, he came to the realisation towards the end of his career and started to, well, yeah, I'll wait the last couple of years and get out. And I don't have to kill people by prescribing all the muck that uh, many doctors do. You know, over the years, I've I've talked to a lot of medical doctors who've come to me because they want to change from out of medicine, but they're always frightened about the money. How will they possibly earn the money they were? And I, I've, I know quite a few medical doctors who are no longer medical doctors, and actually, they're very valuable because they've got all that medical training, all that phys- physiology, you know, depending on the, the doctor. They do learn some brilliant stuff. Um, and I think doctors need to wake up and stop murdering people. I mean, how I don't know how people could live with themselves. <clears throat> well, I, I mean, well, the pandemic taught us a hell of a lot about doctors, didn't it? The whole notion of don't come in because you've got something. And I was doing a a streaming show during the early part of this, and I could not believe there were two things, two things I thought we were doing wrong during the pandemic, uh, apart from the obvious, like locking people down and things. One was if you've got a lump and you're worried about it, you go and see somebody and the earlier you can get it looked at, the better the chance of um, having an outcome. Um, but we weren't doing that with COVID. We were saying, no, no, don't come in. Don't come anywhere near us, mate, until you're actually dying. And then, well, we kind of got a duty of care. You better come in, I suppose, reluctantly. There was that. But the other thing that seemed to be, here we had a virus, we were told, a virus that was potentially going to get us all. We were all going to have it. And instead of saying your message Let's not eat processed food. Let's eat some healthy food. We ought to, as a nation, this is a golden opportunity to learn how to cook with proper vegetables, what supplements that we could do with. Let's just get shot of all those processed foods, which the industries would then go, oh, crikey, we've got no money because people are no longer buying it. Maybe we'd better move into wholesome foods and work out better ways of providing people with that. And we had that whole year pretty much to have brought the health of the nation up to speed to have got rid of the what we now see with the NHS, all these people on waiting lists, because even if they didn't want us to go to the hospital, we could have been curing ourselves bodily, normally, in a, in, in a, in a more decent way with, with proper food and supplements. And, and none of that, you know, it came to the came to the point where they were saying, oh, no, no, we've got this one solution and we'll even bribe you with pizza if you take it. And you just go, this is total rubbish. And, um, yeah, you just think there was an opportunity 
uh, to to actually do something, but of course it didn't make money, did it? Doesn't make money, and no. there was a, there was an agenda anyway, so it wasn't you know wasn't going to happen. So, have you got any bright spots that you can see in the future that actually it's looking promising because I do believe in humanity. Number one, I think that people intrinsically deep inside their psyche know when things are wrong and i think people even those who are unwilling and mindfully blind willfully blind um and and still believing the nhs i think that somewhere along the line people do go this is not right and as more and more people start to talk to each other and get the confidence back, I do think humanity will. I think they're still likely to be manipulated and cajoled and and all of that. I think that sort of stuff. If if the parliament was a was to go, okay, we can't go as far as we really like because they'll just chuck us out. I think there is a sort of unfortunately this sort of happy medium that will always be slightly enslaved because it's convenient. But I. I do think humanity um, will at least continue to try and and there will be dots of light and some dots will be brighter and some people will come together. Um, I think you've got to have got to have hope. Um, sadly, in my comments, sometimes, you know, I'll talk about something and I'll put a positive spin on it. And people will try and correct me and say, no, there's nothing we can do. It's a fait accompli. That's it. It's over. And I just think, well, it doesn't have to be. I mean, let's not be that fatalistic. We've got to, we've got to hang on to something. So I, um, so I just, yeah, I do believe in, in people in general. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I choose to remain optimistic because it's depressing not to be. Well, you may as well, you may as well take a piece of rope and find a branch somewhere. So um, you've got some interesting people coming up you're going to be interviewing or talking about? Or... Yes, it's amazing. People have been coming forward. Um, people have been talking to me. I've got, um, a, I'm hoping, a, an interesting, well, I'm talking to someone this afternoon. I need to just mug up on exactly what it is we're talking about because uh, lots of people are coming forward. People have been suggesting all sorts of things. Um, I'm hoping to talk to the MP that spoke in the House of Columns, in the House of Commons, I'll say that again, um, this week uh, about his situation. Um, it would be good to have an interview with you about supplements on the show and and um, talk about that um, and learn a little bit about what we can be doing to to help us because I've been on a, a journey since I read We Want Real Food by the guy who used to, what's his name, who used to advise on the archers, Graham Harvey. He wrote a great book in the... 80s i think it was 80s or, or early 90s called we want real food and then i've there's a, many others people who've written similar things that talk about the farming industry and how the second world war changed farming and what was once a way of life and small mixed farms 
um, have turned into industrial farming and basically pulled out the vitamins and minerals in order to make crap. And, and of course, that's gone into a way in which now you see that the in order to control population it does seem that the uh, the powers that be want people to sit down watch screens eat rubbish and basically be invisible and be crammed into these 15 minute ghettos um and then supermarkets have followed on buying up land putting out their message and, and and giving you apparent choice you come in you think oh there's so much what what you know there's so much choice and yet there's no real choice at all and you don't really need to go much more than the, the 10 yards inside the doors where all the fruit and veggies and just buy that and get out pretty much uh because everything else is all process nonsense so i've been on a journey learning that over the last sort of five or six years and realizing golly yeah we've been lied to left right and center um and cooking with real food um so that's that's where i've been and and, and so sorry i've gone off on a, on a tangent there so learning more about that and getting that message across to people i think is is absolutely vital because people's health especially now if you can't get to see your gp and you can't do that and 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 knowing that your body will actually improve itself or um, repair itself in so many ways that people don't know um so that would be good good to talk to you on the channel about all of that um oh, sure i mean <clears throat> you, you mentioned you know doctors and striking of course um there have been a few cases around the world where doctors have gone on strike and um, uh, South Africa, Israel, few few countries, and without exception, when the doctors are on strike, less people die. So we need more more striking doctors, is what we want. Well, you know, I wonder how many people have been saved by not having the operation. Yes. Um, oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um. I think the other factor, of course, that people need to hopefully try and remember is the, the ability, if you've got a garden, to grow food. You know, I, I see all the time in the season, you see apples dropping off the trees while people are paying three quid a kilo or something to buy them in a shop. It's just outrageous. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was outrageous when you saw um, supermarkets taking advantage of wonky vegetables and uh because we got so used to the perfect thing and then all this stuff was being well hang on a minute we can make money out of that we'll just rebrand it as wonky and and of course you know years ago that's what you bought anyway it didn't have to conform to all this nonsense but we've all become extremely fussy and we don't know half of what we're eating you know you think of meat and, and people don't know what chops of meat are anymore it's just a piece of polystyrene with something artificially reddened and looking rather jolly and you think oh yeah that's nice but what's all that white muck that keeps coming out of my bacon i know a few people who farm mushrooms and i went went round to to one of the farms and they had a pile the size of a fairly big house of mushrooms i said why oh they're the wrong size too big too small they refused to take them away and just you know 
could have fed tens of thousands of people. Mm. It was just outrageous. And in mushroom soup? You'd what never... You, I mean, there's, there was no problem with any of them. They were just no. outside of the parameters of whatever the supermarket was. You know, the... Um, I have a problem when I pronounce the names of supermarkets. You know, no matter how, how hard I try. I mean, you know, the the, the really well known one. I think I think it's called Deathco. Uh, my lisp. I just yeah, can't, this, yeah, I can't, can't say quite, Tesco. It always comes out. Can't quite say Yeah. Um. So, uh, well, well, thank you so much for allowing me to talk with you. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much for sending a box of goodies. Oh, good. Well, if if we do speak again, then I can explain what what they do and, and mm. what. Yeah, no, that would be fascinating. The, the reason I went into supplements in the first place, partly because I cured myself, but also because how, when you go in a shop, how do you tell what's any good? It's well, really hard to tell. And there's nobody that knows. No. The people who do think they know, they get taught by the by the salesmen anyway. So, mm. um, so I decided I'd start a company making stuff that actually worked. And to give you an example, um, I was on somebody's radio show a while back, and this guy explained that his sister had had trigger finger. She couldn't straighten her finger. I don't know if you've come across trigger finger. I've heard of it. And she'd had uh, an operation. She was still recovering, and it, you know operations anyway uh i'd sent him like i had you um some supplements and i said look he told me that he too had got trigger finger and he was scheduled for an operation i said look i've, I've sent you some vitamin c and some magnesium take several of them now one hour later live on air his finger straightens good god in one hour and we sold out of magnesium for four months <laughs> <laughs> That's the way uh, to do it. <laughs> so, you know, some things obviously take take a, a while to repair. But, you know, I've seen people who were sent home to die um, who didn't. And 20 years later, when they did die, it was from something else. Yes. You know, um, so people really could benefit from understanding that there are some really simple and hugely inexpensive answers to it, to pretty much everything. Um, so, so that at least is good news. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And people, people, this is it. We've all been pushed down one thing, like we were saying with the schooling. We've all been pushed down. We've all been lied to in this way, and so much of it is about making money for other people. And we, we don't trust our own instincts anymore. Our own gut feelings are. Um, we're 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 driven down these channels in order to make lots of money for other people and and it's time we didn't frankly and, and we are intuitive all of us are intuitive full stop and it's practice it's like any skill or muscle or something if you start practicing your your intu intuition realizing you've got it and everybody knows they've got it don't they that hmm. down the street oh i was just thinking of you phone yeah. ring thinking of you you know we, we we are actually totally connected to everything um and um it, it literally is practice i when i when i have my children i i practice with the children having them relax from trying 
his intuition is almost about not trying mm. actually and about spending time by oneself in silence you know so many people don't give themselves the opportunity you know med- meditation sounds like a, a loaded word but just to completely chill out and allow a connection with everything uh, to come well this is um but again this is another big thing of mine is is having got rid of a television and i no longer listen to radio i spend a lot of time without anything on uh i I wear clothes but i mean you know without any media on so that i'm not distracted because i and and i don't use very many machines around the house funnily enough i i i have a wood-burning stove to cook on and i love the fact i mean okay it's a fag sometimes but i love the fact that i go out i chop the kindling i light the fire i get the the uh, wood-burning stove in the kitchen going and then i'll chop up the veg and do all of this and i'll make a meal i've earned that meal and it's very satisfying and all that time I'm thinking of other things and I'm, you know, I'm connecting with with the food I'm making or the the primeval fire inside the um the the stove. And I find that just that just living like that is so rewarding in and of itself. I don't need to put on a television and know what's going on on the other side of the world of terrible things over there. I'm I'm here in my world and I'm living. I don't have a dishwasher. And one of the, I used to have a girlfriend, sorry, I'm waffling now, but I used to have a girlfriend. She lived on her own and uh, she had a dishwasher. And so we would go have a meal and she said, oh, shove it in the dishwasher. And I said, no, no, it's all right. I'll, I'll wash up. She said, no, no, shove it. And we can just sit in the other room and watch a bit of telly. And I said, well, hang on. We're having such a lovely conversation. Let me just wash up. We carried on the conversation whilst we were washing up and it was, it was fine. No problem with that. We carried on that conversation. We didn't turn the television on. And after a while, I got her to understand that you don't need these things to do all these sort of these necessary jobs. Actually, it's quite fun. So I'd wash up. She would dry up. We'd put away. It was part of it was part of life. And trying to get people to see that all the time they're having to be diverted from life and from two people enjoying each other's company and just talking about putting the world to rights or whatever it was and going, do you know, that was a really lovely evening, wasn't it? And we didn't sit down and watch bloody Simon Cowell or any of the other idiots who were trying to tell us what to think about a bunch of people with no idea and we don't really care and we're not really emotionally involved in them. We were interested in each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The more we can get away from a tv in particular the better mm. yes it's been lovely to talk to you clive likewise richard thank you very much and uh look forward to speaking to you again and um did when we sent you the bunch of supplements did yes. they send you a video explaining what's what no i got i got a bunch bunch of stuff i don't think I, there was a leaflet or a, anything i can tell you what i've yeah. got yeah, no, no, I know what you've got. Uh, okay. uh, they were meant to send you a video which explains it. It's only a few minutes long. I'll get that sent through to you.
Right. Oh, okay. There was a video with this link saying um, how much to take. That was it. But it didn't. It, so you, you were talking about magnesium and things like that. But it, it doesn't. It doesn't itemize the things in. You know. Oh no! It doesn't itemize those in particular. Yeah. Like the vitamin C and stuff. Yeah. So again, the the the, the instructions are on there. Did they give you a membership of the Secret Health Club? I've not heard of it, although I'm just suddenly seeing, here we are, Clive's Secret Health Club. Yeah, so back in about 2014, I was working with UK Column. I was their health correspondent. Oh, right, okay. And uh, the government shut us down, and we got chucked off YouTube and stuff. Like, we had to take our own stuff off YouTube. And uh, so I, at that point, because you know, they were censoring us big time, I thought, well, I'm just going to start a club, and I'll call it secrethealthclub.com. And everything that they don't want you to know about, I'll shove behind the club, you know, because behind the club, you can do stuff like that. Mm. So since then, um, it's become quite a useful repository of information, like an A to Z of what to do for whatever ailment you might have. And then there are some other factors like ideas for, you know, to, for the world, stuff we've been discussing today a little bit. Um but there are some super interesting videos there. My favourites are probably in the children's category. Uh, did you know that babies on the day they're born have language? Do they? Babies can communicate. It's quite a subtle sound. So the, the first video on the baby's page is how to hear these sounds. Because they'll tell you, even when they're two hours old, you know, they're, they're tired, they've got wind, they, they can shit, they're hungry, whatever it is. And so the the parents who have learned that the language of the baby, uh, the babies don't cry so much because they know what. Yes. What, you know they don't have to check the nappy because they they can hear that it's hungry. Right. Yeah. 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 It makes sense. And so there are a lot of videos, I think, are of that sort of level that are really, you know, that's mm. extraordinary. Um, and some of them make a big difference. I mean, you know, massive. So, yeah, secrethealthclub.com. I will check it out. There, I, I also talk about my work with Tesla devices. Because oh, right. I used to work with a medical doctor 20-odd uh, years ago. He told me how Nikola Tesla had invented um, electrotherapy devices, and he persuaded me to track one down from the old days and buy one. So these days, I work with a number of people and we track them down around the world. There's one, one behind me there. And uh, they um, are incredible. If, if you, when, you, when I send you the, the membership of the Secret Health Club, I've got a video there where I get 34 people out of pain in a row in less than five minutes each. Wow. Right? Tooth pain, all sorts of pains, 34 in a row. So I, uh, yeah. So there's all sorts of stuff that has just been covered up, particularly in the health world, because they, mm. they had all these answers 100 years ago. And they, they took them out. Yeah, because they saw the money. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, brilliant, Richard. Thank you. Thank you very much. No problem. No, I'll, um, I'll send you an email and maybe we can fix up a time where we can talk about supplements and health on, uh, on my channel.